I know one of my fears is to get out in front out of my comfort zone and to like get all this stuff done. And, um, and so what I want to share is regardless if, if it's for writing a business plan or if, or if it's launching your freaking thought leadership platform, because you know, you need to do it. You're scared. I get it. You're, you're not sure you don't want to make a mistake. So it's something's holding you back. And that same thing that's holding you back is making it so it takes longer for you to have that influence and to have those past investors. You're shooting yourself in the foot. Welcome to Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, where we focus on the deals. Our guests are real estate closers who will share in detail the whole process from finding a deal to closing it, as well as strategies and tips to help you do the same. Here's your host, Annette Talee. I am super excited to have you here, and I'm super, super excited to, to share with you, uh, you know, a little bit of my journey and, uh, and you know, talk to Adam about what investors need to do to raise more capital in 2021. You know, this is my 50th episode and I wanted to celebrate with you. It's been, I do it weekly. So it's been 50, more than 50 weeks. Um, but this is the 50th Deal Closer episode. So I'm super excited. Um, you know, my podcast is ranking top 1% internationally. So I'm super excited about that, including the U.S., Canada and France. Uh, so I just wanted, you know, to, to, to celebrate because to me, this is a big, big um, milestone. And, you know, we, I have also the YouTube channel and it's growing, but my podcast, it, I am super proud of it. Um, so I wanted to bring Adam because when I started uh, looking at, to grow as an investor, um, I did a, a small course with him and then I attended the Money Racing Summit uh, two years ago in October and that was an amazing, amazing uh, event and that's how my podcast started because I was listening to what Adam was talking about uh, marketing and promoting yourself and you know I started doing these live videos that they were only lasted like five minutes so I ended up doing about 20 of them at the event and the, the sound was horrible but I got it done. And that was one of the things, right? Like it's better to do it than to just think about it and never do it. So once I started editing those episodes, I was like, I'm already doing all the work. So I'm going to start the podcast because I also knew that that was a great way to, to grow your presence uh, as an investor. So for my 50th episode, I wanted to bring uh, the key, one of the key persons that has helped me grow a lot as an investor and my brand and my podcast, and that is Adam. So welcome, Adam, and thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I am super, super excited. So let's, let's get into it. Uh, but before, why don't you tell people a little bit about you so if they don't know you, they can get to know you. Perfect. I'll try to be fast. I was born on a polygamous colony, if you'll believe it, out in the middle of nowhere, Utah, and um, grew up with a stepdad who was a real estate investor. My mom, my mom left that, didn't want to have anything to do with that anymore, and she remarried. And, and um, my stepdad is just an incredible guy. You, if you've ever heard that song, um, I just wish I could be half the man he didn't have to be. Oh, I'm actually getting choked up already. Um, but that is, uh, that's my stepdad, just an incredible guy who, um, who loved me and, and wanted me to have everything, 
possible for my life and and to be successful. He was a real estate investor. So I grew up that being fairly normal to be a real estate investor. And of course, as a teenager, I, I rejected it. I didn't want to be an investor yet. I wanted to try my own path. I wanted to do something that my dad wasn't doing. So I didn't feel like I was just following in someone's footsteps. I really wanted to make my own path. But I knew eventually when I was old and boring, I'd be a, a real estate investor. And wouldn't you know what? I started investing in college when I was old and boring. Uh, my first deal was a, um, was a uh, piece of land. And then when I sold that, I started doing apartments, uh, multifamily as a, as a property manager. And I started buying my own in 2008. Um, of course, I saw the crash. A lot of stuff happened be between that. I had a couple of kids, both boys, um, and one of them a stepkid. And I want to be as, as great as my stepdad was to me, to my older son, um, and which just comes to where I am within, I'll just say two businesses are what I really focus on. One business I focus on is real estate investing. And so I have a company, Blue Spruce Holdings, and I've got a few partners in there. We have a pretty big team. What we do is we own and operate and manage apartment communities where we have past investors that partner with us. And the other business that I've been doing just for the last year and a half is helping people with podcasts. And I grew it even more during the pandemic because a lot of people wanted to start a podcast ever since then. Um, so, and plus we weren't make, we weren't doing distributions with our apartment communities. So um, we did that on purpose to make sure there was plenty of money in the, in the bank, in the, in the, in the um, property. So we weren't doing distributions. And so I was like, well, I got to make some income somehow. And I'm really good at helping people with podcasts. So I started doing that as well. And we have a large number of, of clients, not just Annette's, but Annette is ranking literally i can show this to you because i took not even 24 hours ago i took a screenshot of her podcast and she's ranking higher than just the top one percent in multiple categories um, but we have a few other clients that are doing that as well and it seems like no one else has the ability to kind of what they they can help you have one but i like having a good one or, or i guess having one that has listeners that kind of grows your influence. Cause for a lot of people, I think on this, on this today, um, if you're going to be spending the time to have a podcast, you may as well have like a lot of listeners and be able to raise private capital and things like that. So uh, that's the short version. Father of two, love mountain biking, uh, two businesses, multifamily and podcast. Real Estate Deal Closers, Special Edition. What do investors have to do in 2021 to raise more capital? I love the question. And so, so in 2021, if I was to just pick only one thing, like there's a lot that you truthfully have to do. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry. It's not going to be just this one thing to be successful. There's quite a bit that you have to be focused on. But if, if you were to... If you were to see the one that I think would give you the largest trajectory, if you're raising capital this year, or if you want to raise millions in capital 
you know, be able to close on millions of dollars of, of real estate, which I think most of you do, uh, raise OPM, you really have to have a thought leadership platform. So that, that would be my answer. Thought leadership, being in front of people, having them be able to share your message with others, having them be able to look up to you. Uh, like with you, Annette, I know you've closed on a few deals since we started, like since I met you. And um, I, I believe a lot of that success is probably because people look up to you. People are following you. People are sharing you with their friends and people are thinking to themselves, okay, well, if I'm going to be a passive investor, who should I go with? This person, this person. Oh, I'll just go with the net. I listened to her show. Let me see if I can invest with her. And it makes their, their answer a little bit easier. So if you're going to focus on one major thing in 2021, I would say have a thought leadership platform. Absolutely. All right. And so for people that don't understand, like what exactly is a thought leadership platform? Okay. Um, really good question. Because I think you're right. I think there's a lot of people that might have misconceptions of it, of what a thought leadership platform means. And I also think that there might be a listener who's kind of nervous or they're afraid to do it because it, it might feel or sound overwhelming to have one. So uh, what it is is simple. It is a platform where you share your thoughts. That's it. It's, it's a place where you are, are giving out content, value, helping others, um, being able to add value to others. And so there's a few like options of a thought leadership platform. Um, I have a podcast. Annette has a podcast. I think, Annette, you have a Facebook group too, right? Yes, I do. Okay. And you have a meetup. All of these are thought leadership platforms, right? So the meetup works as a thought leadership platform. If you're the host of a, of, of a Facebook community, you're the thought leader. You're the one where everybody's in there looking at other people, getting value. But oftentimes when they decide to invest, they're going to invest with the leader, the person who runs it. Um, same thing is if you, another thought leadership platform is, is literally a book. You could write a book or an ebook or, or, or publish a blog um, or do a YouTube. Like Annette also has a YouTube too. Annette, you're crushing it. All right. So, but, but my real quick before I overwhelm you and, and, and before you just go and do what Annette's done with having four different thought leadership platforms, I'm not saying you have to start with four different things. I, you should have one of them. So pick a book or a podcast or a, a meetup or, or a Facebook community. Just pick one of them. Uh, but the reason that you would like, what is a thought leadership platform? It's a way for other people. Just write this down. And if, if you really want to learn, write this down. It's a way for other people to share your content. If you write a book, they'll share your book with other people. They'll share the link with the Amazon uh, version of your book. Or if you have a podcast, they'll say, hey, check this podcast out. So your number one goal is to be known to passive investors. And you can't do that without a thought leadership platform. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you're so right. Like you don't have to start with all the things that I'm doing, you know, you, you can start with one and focusing on one because, you know, every step that you make is going to take you far. You know, you're not going to see it right away, but little by little it's going to grow and then you can do more. But, you know, you got to take action 
and do at least one and start with one. So 100%. why are you saying that you can't succeed without a thought leadership platform? Okay. Well, think of it like this. Why can't we succeed unless we have a thought leadership platform? Currently, podcast listeners and there's there's just so many people that are getting drawn to these like podcasts and other things like that, right? So it's inevitable that they we're going to have thought leaders. And it typically, number one, people want to do business with the head honcho. I don't understand why exactly, but as somebody who hosted a meetup for years, I don't always see the meetup members doing business with each other. But every dang day that I host that meetup, two or three or four people come up to me, Adam, I've got a deal. Adam, I have money. I want to partner with you. Would you want to buy this from me? Can I put my money into your deal? It's, it's just because I'm, I'm that person, they're going to do it. And so think of it like this. I, I think it was Russell Brunson. No, who was it that said this? Um, oh, it was, it was Gary Vaynerchuk. If you all know Gary V, um, Gary Vaynerchuk, he won a couple of years ago. He said, if you're, if you're not like active on social media by 2022, you are going to lose your business. Like, and I think of that as a thought leadership platform. If you don't do it, somebody else will do it and they're going to steal your investors. That's just the plain truth of it. And, and when, I, when I think of that, I, 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 I know this to be true. It's not just speculation because there's, I actually have clients that are in, in a group that I run that are they're looking to raise more money. They've already raised tens of millions of dollars, but their passive investors are starting to go with Adam Adams, Annette Talee, Joe <laughs> Fairless, and the uh, Rod Cleef and, and uh, Michael Blanc. They've been doing it longer than me. They've been doing it longer than Annette, but their passive investors are now starting to invest with Annette and Adam and Michael and, and Joe and Rod because these, these other people have a platform. And do you, you know anything about the squeaky wheel and who gets the grease? It's because Annette's putting out that content on a regular basis. She's front and center. Not my other client who's already closed on 4,000 units. They, they own like $500 million of real estate that they own and operate, not just that they're passive in. And that they're losing their investors to, to some of these newer operators that have the thought leadership platform. So why will you lose? Think of Gary V. If you don't do it by 2022, you're, you're, all of the people that would have been investing with you are likely to be investing with somebody that they are following. All right. And so, so let's compare, for example, you know, you mentioned the podcast, but for example, YouTube, what's the difference? What, why do you think, um, you know? Well, um, the, there is a few differences between YouTube and, and podcasts. Um, to one obvious thing is YouTube's been around a lot longer than podcasts. Another obvious to most of us 
is that YouTube is video and podcasting is audio. Um, but if we just look at the trends, we're starting to see, um, there's already, by the way, 60 million YouTube channels, 60 million different YouTube channels. That's a lot. And people, I've heard people say that podcasts were oversaturated. I've heard people be like, um, well, podcasts are oversaturated. There's too many multifamily podcasts or whatever they say. There's too many of them. So I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go do a YouTube channel. There, there is um, two and a half percent. Like if you think of YouTube as a hundred percent, that's how many, uh, there's 60 million. Well, with the 1.5 million podcasts, that's like two and a half percent of the competition that you would have if you went to YouTube. So another obvious is you're having less competition if you do a, a podcast. And then if we think about um, the people that are listening to podcasts right now, they tend to have more money than the people that watch YouTube videos. So if you're trying to raise private equity, for instance, if you're, if you're a syndicator and, or you're in real estate and you want OPM, well, you're going to be able to attract the most amount of capital if you do a podcast because, number one, you have less competition. It's 2.5% of how many uh, YouTube channels there are. And number two, the wealth is listening to podcasts. And just to uh, understand why is the wealth listening to podcasts? Because they value their time very, very much. And for them, they're able to uh, drive and listen to a podcast. They're able to cook and clean and listen to a podcast. They're able to go on a walk or exercise, go to the gym and listen to a podcast. So they're able to do two things with at once. One thing that always frustrates me is even if I wanna listen to a podcast on YouTube, I can't because my screen time's out or I try to put it in my pocket and make sure I'm not pushing the buttons. And it, and, I'm, and it just doesn't work. So even if all you wanted was the audio, you don't get it with YouTube. YouTube just doesn't uh, serve that type of person. So uh, I, your question is, what's different? Well, it's audio, it's, it's video. It, there's more competition, there's less competition, and your perfect listener's probably gonna be on podcast. Oh, you're muted. I got muted. Uh, so a lot of people right now are working at home and they are exercising, you know, at home or, you know, around their house. So they are going out for a walk and they are listening to podcasts way more than, you know, watching a YouTube video. Uh, and, you know, you can do it while you're driving, like you said. So definitely, you know, it is growing like crazy. You know, from the time that you started your podcast, um, how many years ago was that? I started it in 2016 or 17, four years-ish. Four years ago. So it has grown a lot, but yeah. um, you can still, uh, you know, like my, my podcast is only, um, you know, it's less than a year ago. Uh, I started around April, if I'm not mistaken, and it's already ranking on the top 1%, uh, which is amazing. So you can do that. To, to get to do that in, in YouTube, uh, it takes a lot of more work involved because you're competing with way more, more people. Yeah, 100%. All right. Expert tips. So, so tell me now, like, I want to hear three expert tips 
if you want to get into podcasting and succeed in podcasting in 2021? Okay, well, three, again, uh, it, it might not be enough, but I'll try to give you like the best three podcasting tips. So if you want to succeed in podcast, um, you know, the third one that I'll give you is I'll, I'll just, I'll make that one super epic. That one is going to be like a real game changer, but these first two might sound boring to you. To be honest, I'm just going to say the first two that I'm going to give you, they might feel boring. They might sound boring, but if you miss them, you will fail. That's the truth. So the first one is you have to know your avatar. So what is an avatar? It's not a blue person. It's not a person that kind of looks like you. It's not a cartoon image of you. Uh, an avatar uh, for the use of today is going to be, is, is defined as your perfect listener, the perfect person that you need to listen to your podcast. You're going to do business with your avatar. So what I've noticed with most people is they don't really know who their avatar is and, and they don't really serve their avatar very well. So for instance, you might want to attract somebody with lots of capital who only wants to be a passive investor. So you're thinking, I want to attract a passive investor. So what should I name my show? What should my show be about, etc.? If you have a show that's about how do you operate deals really well, you're not going to attract a passive investor. If you have a show that's how do you find how do you find uh, off market uh, uh, deals? Um, how do you manage your deal? These are tips that are going to benefit the opposite of your avatar. So if you truly, number one out of the three tips, know your avatar, if you do that, if you truly understand them, that's the first step because now you're going to be able to create content that benefits him or her. Your avatar, you're going to have it where you, you know how many kids they have. You know what religion they are. You know what race they are. You know what part of the country they live in. You know exactly what job uh, title they hold. An avatar is not anybody with money. An avatar is not uh, somebody who um, is high net worth. An avatar is not um, an engineer or a doctor or uh, it, an, av an avatar. You're going to be thinking of one type of person. How do they think? If it's an engineer, then you know that your avatar needs details. So when you give the presentation, you're going to give details. If you're like for me, my avatar, if I'm helping people like with podcasting, my avatar is usually somebody who wants to operate the deal. So, so I need to be thinking in terms of what is that person worried about? What keeps them up at night? How many kids do they have? What part, you know what I mean? Okay, so step one, know your avatar. Step two, you have to just be authentic. And that's a thing that actually I have a lot of clients that what we do, we, we manage their, their podcast, we, we help them launch podcasts or we edit the podcast. We do all the post-production. And when I have a client that, uh, that I'm working with that is a podcaster, I have to listen to all of their episodes. And something that I've noticed is that there's a few of them that even have heard me tell them to be authentic, but they're still not being authentic. They're literally still thinking that they need to be a certain type of person. They, they cuss. They, they use swear words. 
And now they're starting their podcast and they're holding back on those swear words. And it doesn't resonate with the listener. It does, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't swear or you should or shouldn't this or that. But if that's you, if that's your normal personality and you're not being that person, it, regardless if the listener likes what you're saying, they're going to have this dissonance in their heart that's not going to let them really start doing business with you. So you have to be authentic to the core. People call it vulnerable. People call it all of these things. But you have to be who you really are. You have to come from a place of, of how you talk naturally. If you're peppy, like I'm naturally really peppy. I'm naturally a positive type person. And so I just need to be that person. Even when I'm talking to an engineer that I know um, some engineers are more, um, um, what's the word for it? But the opposite of extroverted, introverted. Yeah, so, so even like with, the, with that, I still just have to be me. And I don't need every engineer to invest with me. And neither do you. I just need the people that resonate with me and my message to invest with me. So regardless of what you are, step two of the three things that you need to be able to succeed as a podcaster is to be who you are to the core. Now, the third one that I promised was going to be the gold is that you need to do marketing and promotion. The issue, the problem that I see most people who launch a podcast, the problem that they are coming up with is that they didn't, um, they didn't spend time marketing it and promoting it. They thought, oh, well, I, all I need to do is just put it on the, this platform of iTunes. And if I build it, they will come. No, they don't just automatically start listening if they don't hear about your show. You've got to use an email list. You've got to call your friends up and your family. You've got to, you got to reach out. You've got to make posts maybe on Facebook. You've got to um, pay someone like our team to help you market and promote it so that it can get downloads, listens, ratings, and reviews. If you don't market and promote, you won't get downloads, listens, ratings, and reviews. So I, I would say those are the three major tips. Um, and if I, I've got more tips, but um, those are three major ones. Know your avatar, be authentic, and do your marketing and promotion. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. You know, the marketing and promotion, I think is the core and it takes a lot of time. You know, it takes time. You have to invest time. And, you know, I remember when I was about to launch my, my podcast, I I think I called you, I texted you and I was like, I am about to do it. And like, you gave me this pep talk, like, remember to do this, remember to do that. Don't forget this and don't forget that. And so it was such a great help. Uh, and, you know, that day I realized, oh my goodness, I still have to do this and that. So, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, but I, it helped me so much, you know, you have been doing it for four years. So you have all this experience, all this knowledge about the subject. And, you know, every time that I, I was listening to one of your um, your lives or one of your uh, you know your events, giving information and and sharing the knowledge with people. You know, I would like literally write it down in a notebook and then follow everything uh, that you uh, gave people. So you know that has helped me a lot, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show. 
because you know I want to share on this 50 episode and I have and then uh, then in two weeks I'm have another person that was key on, on my growth uh, come to the podcast as well and share you know part of the the things that I've done and uh, so thank you thank you because you know it has changed uh, a lot in a year a year and a half uh, a lot has changed I closed in you know two properties it was one deal but it was two separate properties 184 units and when I went to your event I think I had 12 units you know, wow. so it, it, it's crazy. It's crazy Congrats. to think about that, uh, you know, that growth and, and, you know, everything that I've learned, um, you know, the event, you know, was amazing. So I'm looking forward to this year. Hopefully we can have it live uh, like we did uh, two years ago. Um, you know, Raising Money Summit was amazing, guys. So if you, you know, October, make sure that you clear your, <laughs> your calendar to go to Denver because it was, it was an amazing experience. Um, so I have uh, one question here, Adam. How much percent of your race comes from podcast marketing? Uh, Christine asks, how much of the raise comes from podcast? Um, I don't have a perfect number, to be honest. I haven't really identified that. So that's the truth. Um, I will say I, I do know that um, the first uh, the first money that I was raising came from my meetup group that I was hosting, which you can't have meetups today. Uh, right now, I mean, the physical meetups can't happen anyway. Um, the first ones came from the meetup because the podcast was really slow. Like, I, I'll, I'll just let y'all know, there was a long time that, uh, that my podcast was having like just 20 downloads or 30 or 50 or a hundred downloads per episode. And, um, and my, um, my, my meetup group was having 8,000 faces per year. And, and so I was like, my meetup was just way more popular at the time. And I didn't know how to do the podcast in the beginning. So that's where the first money came from. But what I've seen is that most of the money now does has for the last few years has been coming through the podcast but to answer your question on knowing the exact percent i would only have to speculate somewhere around 60 percent of what of our next raise is probably going to come directly from uh the listeners that are currently listening when we do that raise and the rest will probably come from the people that have met me through me speaking at a meetup at a podcast, somebody else's podcast, my own podcast, etc. But think about this too, Christine. Um, think about this just because it's critically important. I wouldn't be known at all by anybody if I didn't have a podcast. I wouldn't be invited to, I don't think I'd be invited to Annette's uh, podcast right now if I didn't have my own podcast. I've been on Joe Fairless's podcast multiple times, Rod Cleef multiple times. I've been on like all of these podcasts, Michael Blanc's podcast. You just, you name it. I've been on their shows. Whitney Sewell's probably three times I've been on his, his podcast. And it's all because I have some influence and the podcasters see me first and they start bringing me on. And so I'm hacking in. I call this Trojan horse marketing. If just think about what, what I mean by Trojan horse marketing. Way back in the day, uh, the town of Troy was trying to be invaded by the Trojans. And 
it was too strong. The gates were too powerful and it was right there on the ocean. And so they could see you coming from a mile away. It was imp nearly impossible. So what did they do? They staged something where they built uh, a gift and they put two people inside that gift and they left it on the front doors, on the front steps. And then they went into their ships and they floated away until night where they turned around when those two guys came out of the horse, unlocked the gate and let everybody in while the town of Troy was sleeping. I call this Trojan horse marketing because it's a sneaky way that I didn't know. There's some people on the live currently, Ruby, Reba, Michael, Irma, and I could just keep naming because there's so many of you on right now, but I didn't know you yesterday. I knew Christine yesterday. I knew Annette yesterday, but I didn't know the rest of you. So this is my sneaky way to now be able to influence people that I didn't have to struggle for. So having a podcast has other things that help me to be able to get investors than just simply if they listen to my own podcast or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let me look. Uh, that was awesome, Adam. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Christine. You're powerful. Absolutely. But you knew that already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. All right, Adam. So what are your last thoughts on podcasting? Like what, what do you want to add, you know, before we, we get more questions here? Um, well, I would, I would say um, Ruby sent me a couple things that that made sense they were questions and so I, I think if you're if you're on the live start throwing the questions in but I guess the next thing that I want to address is just um, at least one of the two things that Ruby asked me um, she said um, she knows she, I know one of my fears is to get out in front out of my comfort zone and to like get all this stuff done and um and so what I want to share is regardless if, if it's for writing a business plan or if, or if it's launching your freaking thought leadership platform because you know you need to do it, you're scared. I get it. You're, you're not sure. You don't want to make a mistake. So it's something's holding you back. And that same thing that's holding you back is making it so it takes longer for you to have that influence and to have those past investors. You're shooting yourself in the foot. So um, what I would say is a couple a couple of tips for those people that are afraid to launch a thought leadership platform. Number one, Adam Adams is super shy. I am shy. I'm I'm extroverted and I like people, but in general, I like one person at a time because I can have a deep uh, relationship with that one person. I don't feel that judged. So this is the normal Adam Adams. So you you wouldn't guess this because I'm out there all the time now but it took me a little bit of time to get there. So the question is, how did you do that? How did, how did, you, how did you trigger that? Two things. Number one, I knew I just had to do it. I knew that I was going to fail by 2022, that my past investors were going to go to somebody else if I didn't actually do it. So that, that fear scared me enough to say, I just have to. And then the second thing that, that it can be remarkable for... Um, anyone else who's worried about speaking on stage in front of a lot of people, rather than imagining that everybody's naked, like a lot of people do, 
what I do is I, I just try to think of, and I'm going to kind of get a little choked up again. I do that sometimes, but I just think about the love that I have for the people that are in the audience and what do they need? And I try to channel that. I, it doesn't matter if you're religious or not. I'm, I, I'm personally not very religious. I just am the type of person who wants to channel that energy in the universe to, to kind of help me hone in on the thing that I need to be talking about and to be able to deliver it in the way that I think that will impact lives. So for me, it's if I care more about you than I care about me, then I stop stuttering. I'm the type of person who stutters. Okay. I do that generally and I lose track of I lose the train of thought sometimes. I lose words every now and again, like I just did right in front of you. And those things are embarrassing. When I was in grade school, I got made fun of a lot for stuttering and ADD, ADHD. And, and I felt like the only way to get love was to be a class clown back then. But I was so scared, it took me a long time to open up. So now what I do is instead of thinking about me and the five-year-old me that got made fun of and the stuttering me, all I do is just think about the value that I want to provide and something funky happens where actually I get better at delivering the message that can resonate with the person that's listening. So if you're nervous, if you're worried, think about the other person, not your own self, and that helps you to stop stuttering or feeling shy or feeling self-conscious and it just helps you just deliver the message um awesome um i have a few questions now so daniel is asking how uh, he's thanking you thank you adam how do you get guests to come to your podcast how did i get what with my podcast yes how do i get guests on the podcast you know what's weird i never worried about this myself but as i work with podcasters, that seems to be one of the main fears that new podcasters have. They're like, how am I going to get guests? It sounds like a lot of work. They're probably going to say no. So sure, I'll give you a couple of tricks. And this is being broadcast live on Facebook where I did this trick and I'm, I'm afraid of who's going to listen, but I'm just going to be completely straight up honest with you because I have a couple of good tips. The first one was I wanted to I wanted to have this one person on my podcast. And so what I did is I just said, I've got to figure out a way to get that person on my podcast because I wanted the big names, right? That's what I was going for. I was, I was going for the big names that made it sound like I was impressive because I had these other influencers that people knew, these coaches, these mentors, these podcasters. And um, so I came up with this way of thinking that seemed to work. And so what I did is I went to one of the influencers' Facebook pages. Now, by the way, if you go to my Facebook page, I've, I've learned this from doing it to other people. So I don't let you do it to me. So basically, if you go to my Facebook page, you can't see my friends. But what I did is I went over to this influencer's friends, and I just looked to see who was friends with them. And I, I added only the people that had between 10 and 20 friends in common. Not the people that had 100 or 200 friends in common and not the people that had less than 10. Because my goal, this is a well thought out long, this is the long game. Just follow along with me. Um, what I did is I, I added all the people that had 10 to 20 people. I let them know that I had a podcast and I asked them 
who they thought would be good on the podcast. Naturally, most of them said that person. Most of them said the person. So after spending the long game to work into this and friending all of these friends of the person and asking them who I should have and having them all say his name or her name, then I finally added the person and I was able to say, John and Mary and Sue and Carla all said that I needed to reach out to you to come on my podcast. Do you want to make it happen? And it was so easy because they said yes, because I name dropped all of their close friends. So that that's that's the, the trick of just getting the top, top people. Um, now, also, uh, here's here's how to just get guests. Two ways to get guests. Two other ways to get guests. One of the other ways to get guests is to, um, once you have a podcast, you start getting pitched by some companies that help guests of podcasts come on podcasts. So what I would do uh, is a couple tricks that, that can help you. One of them is you, you can reply to those people and, and say, I'm only taking on reciprocal interviews which basically means I'm only going to go, I'm only going to have that, whoever that person is, I'm gonna, only going to have them on my show if they have me on their show. This amplifies what you're doing far and above because you're on their show too. Plus, you know that they have a podcast and you're going to be able to add a lot of value to them when they come on. And so when you do these, when you use that reciprocal interview thing, here's what happens. Those people, the, the people that are finding people to get uh, launched on podcasts generally get paid $300 every time they make a connection. But when you've made their uh, job easy, when you say, hey, anybody who wants to do a reciprocal interview, I'll do it. Now, all of a sudden, they start throwing all these people to you because they're like, this person's easy. All you have to do is just get a reciprocal interview. By the way, you're not paying $300 for that the guest is, and now you're getting some guests on your podcast. All right, the last thing, this is what I do. Every now and again, I'll make a post on Facebook and I know how to make a, a Facebook post kind of blow up and get, get lots of traction, get lots of eyeballs on it. So I'll make some type of post on Facebook that's something around real estate in some way, maybe multifamily, maybe raising money, maybe passive investing, and, um, and then I will start to try to get as many people to comment as possible. And then I'll just start um, uh, replying to the comments and then moving it to the DMs. That's the direct message, the private messaging in Facebook or whatever. Um, and then I'll just say, I'd love to have you on my show. And guess what they say? Six out of 10 times. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I would love to. And so that's all I do is I, I just, I, I go into a passive investor. This is, this is a brilliant strategy for all of you guys, just real fast. If you're looking to raise money this next year and you're looking to start a podcast, if you do this one thing, I think it'll make sure that you raise at least a million more dollars than you would have if you didn't listen carefully. And what that is, is you go to a passive investor type of group, like a Facebook group with passive investors. And you might make a post. Who in here actually has passive invested? Who in here actually does private money lending in a private money lender group? And then you 
say, I would like to highlight you on my show. My show is about real estate and uh, we don't hear enough from the private money lenders and the passive investors. I'd love to highlight you on my show. Well, guess what's going to happen? Number one, you're getting a great, there's three things. Number one, you're getting a really good guest and it was easy because it was like shooting ducks. Number two, you're, you're having a passive investor come become closer to you. They're being interviewed by you. You're adding value to them and they want to know more about you. So they're likely to passively invest with you. And the third thing that's happening is if you understand your avatar, like we talked about earlier, if you understand your avatar, your avatar is probably a passive investor and they want to hear from other passive investors. And it's going to help you to be able to have more listeners that are going to be the type of person that you want to do business with. So there's a few tips, three major tips on how you can get more guests for your show. And it doesn't have to be too stressful. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love it. So I have another question from Barry. What are the main ways you suggest to market your podcast? Okay. I love this question. So my company does podcast marketing for other people and we utilize about a dozen different strategies. I don't think I'm going to be able to do them all off the top of my head, like with it not being in front of me on what all of them are. Um, but I'm going to tell you the absolute most valuable one out of all dozen is a private message campaign. So I'll share with share that private message campaign with you here in a moment. Um, if if you're like Annette, one of the things that I coached her to do is to call friends and family and to say something to the effect of, hey, I just launched a podcast. I uh, need a couple people that I trust to give me uh, honest rating and review. Just listen to a, a one or two episodes and give me an honest rating and review. You can, do, anyone can do that. And you should do that in the beginning of launching a podcast because the first eight weeks are pretty critical. What you accomplish in the first eight weeks of launching your podcast can really help your podcast launch because there's some algorithms that happen in that first period of time. So I want you to do what Annette did. Another option is that you can do, um, you can do Facebook ads Face paid Facebook ads where you literally pay whatever you can afford. It might be $50 a month. Most of us can afford $50 a month. And that slowly grows our podcast to get in front of more and more people. And if we're using our podcast as a business or to raise money and on these acquisition fees, when I close an $11 million property, I'll make $330,000, 3%. So like if I want to be able to make that big acquisition fee, I've got to be able to have past investors. So it makes sense for me to market my podcast, right? So if it's 50 bucks a month or a hundred or 500 or $10,000 a month, I know people in some of my masterminds that are putting out 30 or 40 or $60,000 monthly in Facebook ads. I'm not saying you have to go there, but do something that you feel comfortable with, even if it's 50 bucks. The next, the third way to market a podcast that I want to share with you is organic Facebook traffic. Organic means you don't have to pay for it. It's awesome. And I like it because it's super duper effective. And one of the things is when you make a post, don't put any links in the post because if you put a link, you've automatically cut yourself off. 
and nobody's going to see it. So don't use a link. And, but you're like, but I want them to see my podcast. So how do they do that if I don't give them the link? So here's what you do. You say something ineffective. Let me know in the comments if you want to check out this, this episode. You, you, you say, hey, uh, Paul Hazenbroke. I don't know if I said it right. Paul, uh, Paul has a, um, Paul's coming on my podcast. He's going to add a ton of value. These are the questions that I, that I have. If, if you want to hear the, the episode when it drops, let me know in the comments. And then people start being like, I want to, I want to, I want to. And then psychologically, you've hit something called the social proofing. So then the next person that sees it says, oh my gosh, so many people want to see Paul. Maybe I haven't heard of Paul, but obviously he's important. I got to listen to this too. So they comment too. I, I want in, I want in, I want in. And now what's happening is Facebook says, holy cow. Instead of people just scrolling through Facebook and not seeing this post at all, they're stopping and they're commenting. My goal as Facebook, my goal as, a, as Facebook is I got to keep people on Facebook. I don't want them to go into YouTube or, or, or any other place. I want them to stay on Facebook and get stuck on Facebook and, and, and mundanely scroll through all the stories and, and all, the, all the updates. So... When they find somebody's, because they're always split testing, that's called A-B testing, type it into Google if you haven't heard of it. They're always split testing because they're brilliant marketers, Facebook is. They want to keep people on their platform. And so if you start getting engagement, they're going to put your post in front of more people and other people's posts in front of less people because you won the A-B test. So you want to, instead of giving a link or instead of just telling them to do this thing, ask for engagement, tell them to comment. So that's the third big thing that you can do. The fourth big thing is, is a large uh, email campaign. I'm not going to go into it because of time, but you, you can do email campaigns. You're emailing it to your list and you can build that list with your podcast and you should keep continuing to use that in many different ways but utilizing your email list is going to be impactful. The how, fifth, how often, ooh, yeah, go ahead. how often would you email about your podcast to your list? Um, I would generally po um, do a one month wrap up. Okay. If, I, if I'm going to work with you to launch a podcast, I'm going to tell you, I want the minimum amount of podcasts that you're planning to do is, is weekly, at least once a week. And at the most, one of my clients does five a week, okay? Five a week. And it's, they're rock stars. I'm so proud of them. Um, I was doing five a week for a while. I don't anymore. But the point is, you got to do at least one a week. And um, Annette's asking, how frequent do you post? Are you going to do the emails? And my thought is, it doesn't matter if you're doing five a week and that ends up being 20 or more podcasts per month. Or if you're doing one a week and that ends up being four or five podcasts in a month. And so what you'll do is you'll take those four or five because some weeks have an extra few days, right? Some months have an extra 31 days instead mm -hmm. of 28. So now you now what you do is you jump in and you, you do a monthly wrap up where at the end of the month, you say this month, I um, am you want to start with gratitude, okay? Uh, for whoever asked this question, you want to start with gratitude. Um, I'm grateful for all of you listeners and the, the, how, the, how we hit our biggest month uh, last month. You start with that gratitude. 
And then you end with, here's a few highlights. And that's it. Here's, here's a couple highlights. So once a month is how often I want you to use your email list. I want you to start by either being grateful for your listeners or downloads or grateful for the awesome guests that came on your show. Oh, just so happy. We had amazing guests this, this month. I just want to say thank you to all of them that came out. By the way, if you missed it, here's the highlights. That's how you're going to set up this email campaign once a month. Um, I, I, I neglected to remember where I was about to go. Oh, I do know Barry, or I think it was Barry who asked how to market a podcast. And I gave the first four ways of a dozen. And I told you that the last one was going to be epic and be the most impactful one that I have. I'm about to share that with you, even though it's the fifth one. And I just, I'm going to skip the other seven for now. Um, so this one is the one that works the best for us. And you can do a version of it. You might not be able to do it exactly how we do it because I use, um, I utilize like a, a team of virtual assistants and I'm fairly good at writing copy and understanding psychology. Like, so I know how to, how to slow play this. Like if you're dating somebody, right? Do you ask them to marry you the very first day? Like you'll get slapped. You, I don't care <laughs> if you're male, female or other gender. You're going to get slapped if you ask somebody to marry you too soon. And so it's the same thing with this email, this uh, private message campaign that I'm about to share with you, Barry. It, this private message campaign needs to be slow played. You need to remember what that, that girl in ninth grade, how she played hard to get. Because you got to do that too. You can't just go straight for the kill. You got to play the game. You got to relax a little. So don't send links. It's too spammy. It's all about questions because he who asks the questions controls the conversation. She who asks the questions controls the conversation. So if you ask a question, you're either going to get affirmative or negative. You're going to get one of two responses. So it's much easier to do this private message campaign if it's all questions. Because if they say yes, you already you can already give your virtual assistant the next question because you can draw it out ahead of time it's it's brilliant how how this can work now if you're doing this on your own then you're either going to have to just be on facebook for hours a day or you're going to have to hire a virtual assistant yourself and come up with a copy and have them do it um but i'll tell you a little bit more about this strategy because it's so impactful if you have the ability to do that. So you start with a question. You, you think about your avatar. You're like, where's my avatar? It's a past investor. It's a private money lender. It's whatever. And so you might be reaching out and asking them to come on your show. That might be the question. You want listeners, yeah, but you got a slow play. So you might be asking them first off, um, hey, do you want to come on my show? I want to hear your story. Would, would you consider... Um, bringing it to my audience to add value to them. That's a great beginner. When it's me working on your show, when, when we do it, I'll, I'll have them reach out and, and just say, hey, I noticed that you're in real estate. That's awesome. Um, what's your portfolio look like today? And we'll start with something like that. And here's, a, here's another ninja strategy. By the way, it's not copy and paste. I don't just send the same thing, copy and paste to everybody. I'm, uh, if I did that, I would hit some algorithms really bad 
that would make it so my Facebook account got shut down. My LinkedIn account could get shut down. My Meetup account could get shut down if I was copying and pasting. Meetup won't even let you do two in a row. Meetup won't even let you do it twice, okay? Um, Facebook will let you do it about six times. And then they say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, you're, we're gonna ban you for 24 hours. So instead of doing that, you're gonna be more authentic. You wanna usually say something to the effect of, wow, that's awesome. I, saw, I just saw you in, in this one group. I thought that we would connect. Um, also, I've got a podcast and I, I thought maybe if you'd be open to it, I could get put your story on my show and you could maybe add value to other people. Um, you'll just have these qu a series of questions. For us, what, we, what, what I like about us doing it for you is we're a third party. And so it's, it's no self pro promo. Everybody hates self-promotion. Like when you, when you reach out to somebody and you're like, listen to my show, they're like, F you. I don't want to listen to your show. Why are you, why are you coming at me, brah? Right? So what, what we do is, is we just um, create an uh, 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 actual relationship with a lot of people that are like your avatars. And then we just say, oh man, you probably like Barry's podcast. May I send you the link? And then they say, yeah, send the link. And we say, here you go. And then we check back in in a few days and we say, what did you think of that episode? And then we check back in a couple of weeks. Oh, did you see, did you hear that last episode that Barry just dropped yesterday? And they're like, no, I didn't. Um, I'll go and listen to it right now. And then later on, we, we ask him if they gave it, hey, did you leave a rating and review for Barry's show? I know he would really appreciate it. And they're like, oh, I'll go and do that right now. So with us being the third party, it's super easy for us to not be self-promo. We're just helping other people's podcasts. If it's you, you just got to be careful not to cross that line. But this private message strategy is brilliant. One-on-one, -on -one, being able to find your avatar, get in front of them. Hey, 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 man, I, I noticed that you've been passively investing in tons of deals. I think that's awesome. Um I want to I want to do a show on protecting past investors. What what would you say are the key things that I need to bring up on my show since you have so much experience? Oh, that that and that. I love it. Thank you for giving me that feedback. I'll 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 post the show. Then you go and make a show and then you go back to that person and you say, "Hey, I made this show because of you. Let me know what you think." And now you got a listener for life who likes you, who wants to be part. And then you reach out, slow play. Remember that girl in ninth grade who, who played hard to get, you got to do the same thing. Now you're going to reply to them a, a couple of weeks later and say, hey, I was just thinking, maybe I ought to just have you on my show to talk more about that one part. Would you be open to it? I think it'd add a lot of value to my audience. And you got them. So this is the private message strategy that is, that works really, really well. I guess I'll give you a sixth-ish tip. Um, with your Facebook, there's this thing, and I might not be explaining it perfectly because I'm not the one who runs my Facebook ads, but there's this thing called pixel data. And basically what it is, is like on your, on your screens, when you take pictures, you, you got like, you know, 700 megapixels or whatever it is. Like megapixels are like a thousand pixels in a very small, piece. Well, one pixel is undetectable. You could never see a pixel. It's just too small. You need megapixels to even start to comprehend anything. But this, what's interesting is when a photograph is downloaded to somebody's page, 
um, there is, there's cash data. There's, um, there's, uh, I don't know all of the terms for this stuff, but the, the internet basically saves that and, um, and saves those cookies so that you can follow those people around Facebook. So if you made, if you made a, a Facebook ad or something like this, and you utilize this pixel data and you were able to just see, you're able to pull in that person. Now you can chase them around for pennies, pennies on Google and YouTube and all these other internet sites where you're just paying to stay in front of the people that you gathered the pixel data from. And so this is a way for you to have a smaller budget and to be able to make those people who, who click your first link, your first uh, ad on Facebook to think like, man, Barry's podcast is freaking huge. I see it everywhere I go. I better start listening to it. So anyway, that's your sixth and final way that we help people to be able to really blow up their shows. Amazing. So I have I have a few questions here. So let, let's try to go through them. I am a veteran. Uh, so would looking at a veteran community be a good focus for my avatar? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I think that's a really good question. Um, I think being a veteran helps you to be able to um, resonate with other veterans. There, there's pros and cons, and I'm going to be straight up with the con right now, even if it's offensive to a, a veteran. The, the problem is that the, the average salary for a veteran is lower than the average salary of most of the passive investors that I work with. Most of the passive investors that I work with are retired they have millions in the bank. They are making hundreds of thousands, if not millions per year. Um, they own big businesses. They're super duper busy. And all they want to do is just be passive and keep running their business and making the millions. Those are the type of avatar that I work with the most is engineers mostly. And not it doesn't mean that every military is not making good money. There's plenty that are making huge dollars, right? And there, th th there's a lot of pros there as well. But at the same time, if you want to be working with accredited investors, you're just going to find a little bit less. However, um, to answer your question on, on the veterans, there's plenty of veterans that are multimillionaires. There's plenty that have, that have come home and started something else. There's, so you're going to be able to find them. It just might be swimming a little bit upstream. For you, because you are a veteran, I think that they're going to resonate with you a little bit better than they would resonate with me. I was never in the military. My dad was never in the military. Not even my stepdad was in the military. So I can't really resonate with that very well. I can appreciate the service, but I don't understand what it's like to be on the front lines myself. So for you, if you, if, if you and I sat down, I'm sure you and I could come up with a strategy that would work. Um, I'm about to, he I'm hesitating because I'm about to say the word, but, and I try never to say the word, but I'm sure we can figure out a strategy and um, I'm sure we might be able to even find a better strategy that had even higher net worth individuals that still resonated with you. Like if you were, um, if you were a motocross, if you were into motocross, if you were into Ferraris, if you were into Audis, if you were into like um, yachts, if you were into something else 
that may or may not have uh, somebody that is a veteran, but it's a higher probability that they have money, then I would probably say go that route first. Um, and I could support you to help you to be able to bring your message out. But um, that's, that's my answer. Yes and no. Oh, thank you very much, Adam. That was helpful. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, probably I was just looking at, I have such a huge network. I'm retired. I have a huge network of veterans that I could tap into and they're mostly medical uh, people. So it would include higher income uh, folks. Uh, Man, I think it's, I think it's perfect. And um, so my answer is yes for you, Melissa. As, as starting out, I mean, I'm brand new. I haven't even made one investment. And I thought that would be something I get my feet and my confidence because these are my people and you know, that kind of thing. And totally. then get to your level, maybe in a year or two. But in the beginning, I think that would, I would have the most strength. I think it's great. Okay. I think it's great. Thank you very much. Awesome. So I have another question from Daniel. And he's asking that, you know, he's saying, I feel that you need to build some kind of influence before you get uh, a quality guest. What do you say? I say no. No, no. Uh, there's a ton of quality guests that are um, that for two reasons, they'll probably want to come on your podcast anyway, Daniel. The one of the reasons why they probably want to come on your podcast anyway is because most of us who've who've been there and done that and have succeeded at it. We want to give back. We we just really want to give back. And secondly, because um, because we can get more passive investors. We can get more influence than we even have by getting in front of another audience. Even if we're only getting in front of like 50 or hundred people or 20 people, even it still has the potential of growing our audience. So you're going to find that for those two reasons, a, because um, they want to give back or B because they still want to grow their influence. Uh, even if it's with a small audience, they're still likely to say yes, especially if it's in the real estate realm and the past investing realm, because they care more about protecting people because a lot of problems can happen in the industry. And there's, a, there's some phony people out in the industry too. And because of that, I think that those people that are really doing it, they want to add value. So you're going to be just fine. Um, number one, but also, um, if you do it, one of the ways that I shared with you before, where you kind of follow their friends and like uh, ask them who would be good, and you're able to name drop three or four people that said they should come on your show, um, that's going to work as well. And it's going to be smooth because they're they might want to say no to you, Daniel. I doubt it. I don't think they're going to want to say no to you. But they're certainly not going to want to say no to all four of the mutual friends that you have in common that all said that they that he or she should come on your show. So um, I would util if you're still worried, even though I don't believe you you should be. If you're still worried, I think just use that strategy um, to friend their friends between ten and twenty friends in common, and ask those people if who they know that should come on the show. Um, you'll, you'll get value that way. Absolutely. And I have to say, you know, when I started uh, in real estate, I have this scarcity mindset 
And what I love about the investor community is if they are so willing to, to share and to help. And that has changed so much of me that I am the same. And that's one of the reasons I started the podcast. I wanted to share with people all the strategies that I didn't know when I started. I was investing for eight years all by myself without networking, without learning anything about what other people were doing. And once I you know, started networking and and going to events like yours and connecting with people and networking, I realized how much people were willing to share. And, uh, and you know, I invited a lot of people that I thought they would say no, and they said right away, yes. And I had not even, you know, started the podcast. I just was inviting people like, I'm going to start this podcast and I would love to have you. And they would say yes. So don't be afraid about not having content yet. Um, you know, a lot of people will want to support you and help you. Um, 100%. All right. So I'm going to do two more questions because, you know, it's already been an hour and then thank you, Adam. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, so one, I just lost it here. Okay. How do you suggest I get a group of women from Australia to invest in real estate in the U.S.? That's from Rita. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I would probably have to sit down with you and ask you a couple of questions to know, you know, everything that you're working on. But I would, I would do the slow game where I would, if I were you, read it, I would start studying investing in the U.S. versus investing in Australia. And I would start publishing on your Facebook um, a little bit about what, um, what you found and just say, hey, today I did a little bit more research on, you know, I'm trying to decide if I should be investing in, um, in Australia, the U.S. or somewhere else. And um, this is here's uh, here's five things that I found out, and then you put it out there. Um, you get better leverage in the U.S. I don't know if that's true, by the way. That's I'm just saying true. random things like right now. Um, you get better leverage in the U.S. Um, you get better tax benefits in the U.S. And if you do it this way, you're able to get the pass through tax benefits. Uh, and um, it, it could be scary, but I found this loophole in this CPA that that solves it, so that you don't have to worry about that. And, um, uh, and the, in the U.S., you get, you get two things instead of one. Uh, here in uh, Australia, uh, we've, we noticed that most people buy properties that are negative cash flowing because they just want the upside. Well, in the U.S., in certain markets, not only do you get the upside, but you also are getting cash flow as it, as it comes. And um, after my experience, after my research, I feel strongly that purchasing a few properties that are negative cash flowing really limits, number one, it limits how many I can do. And number two, it also puts me at risk if I lose my job or, or, or something else like that. But if I, can, if I can pay for a property in a market that's in the US that's, that, that is still growing like they are in Sydney, but they're also, um, also cash flowing, I can buy an infinite amount of these because my monthly income just keeps going up. It doesn't go down. And if I lose my job, I'm fine instead of screwed. So maybe you start just adding that type of value on Facebook um, or you do something else that, that um, you're, you might reach out to them and you, and you might say, Cindy, where are where how are you um, investing right now? Like, can you give me a couple of ideas? I'm 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 thinking about investing in the U.S. I'm thinking about a couple other things. What are you doing? Let me know. And then they start telling you what they do, 
And then you take the feedback and you research it and you think about it and you consider it authentically. And if it's better than what you already decided, you say, I'm glad you told me that. I'm going to do what you said. And, and if it's not as good, you say, hey, I love this. I'm wondering if I should put part of my assets in there. I found this other thing that seems to be working even more. So I want to put more of my assets in there. In your, in your mind, I think her name was Cindy. In your mind, Cindy, um, do you want me to, uh, do you think I should put all of my money in the US or do you think I should put like 10% of in that awesome thing that you gave me after, after you look at it? Another couple of options is uh, my friend Reed Goosens. Uh, Reed Goosens started a podcast called Investing in the U.S. It used to be an Aussie's guide to investing in the U.S. He, he just changed it like three months ago to investing in the U.S. But it used to be an Aussie's guide to investing in the U.S. Uh, where it helped Aussies look for a podcast and they found it and they started investing in the U.S. with him. And so he's raised quite a bit of money and a small part of it. I don't remember, but he was on one of my shows and he, he answered this. Um, he said, most of his money does come from the US, but some of it came from, uh, from Australia because of that. Um, with that said, he doesn't live in the US. I mean, he didn't but live in Australia. He lived in the US. Yeah. Me too. And, yeah. so, and so for, for him, like a podcast made sense. But a last strategy that you could do is you could probably run a meetup group. Now, years ago, 2018, I spoke at meetup headquarters. Um, they flew in their top 150 meetup organizers from around the world. And I know for sure that some of the people that were in that room were from Australia. And so I know that there's meetups in Australia. And one of the things that you can do is you can just have a meetup around any topic you want, uh, including um, investing in the U.S. Uh, Aussie's Guide to Investing in the U.S. maybe could be the name of the meetup. Who knows? But um, uh, those are just a few strategies that I would suggest. Um, my favorite one being that you're doing research and you're letting them learn alongside with you. Oh, thanks for that. All right. So I'm gonna, we're going to close with this question from Facebook from Eddie. Um, did you have a niche that you used for podcast content in the beginning? Did, did I have a niche? Yes. Mm -hmm. Creative real estate. So I launched the creative real estate podcast, Eddie, um, about four-ish years ago. And when I launched that podcast, I wasn't thinking earlier in this episode, earlier today, um, I talked about three major things that you need to do. And the first one was what? Your avatar. I didn't do that. I went ready, fire, aim. I went, I just want to have a podcast. I'm just going to start a podcast. Um, and I believe that I added a lot of value to a lot of people through my podcast. And I'm grateful for that. However, my podcast wasn't particularly for um, a passive investor. A passive investor who is working long hours and just has too much money and needs to start making money on the money so that they can eventually quit their job isn't hoping to be able to operate a, biz, uh, a real estate business creatively. 
they have enough money. They're like, I don't need creative stuff. I don't need all this hardship to them. It's just like, just give me the simplest way to put my money to work. And so I wasn't actually benefiting my avatar. So Eddie, who asked the question, did I have a niche? The answer is yes. I had the creative real estate podcast. It was a niche. It was the first ever podcast on creative, on creativity within real estate. Um, I add a lot of value to a lot of people. I ended up selling that podcast so that I could launch a new podcast called Apartment Investing Show. Um, and notice I didn't, didn't call it Apartment Operating Apartments Show. I called it Apartment Investing Show so I could still get in front of passive investors. And I could also get in front of some operators that I might be able to help them launch a podcast that gets results too. So it's like perfect to be able to balance that and straddle that. So yes, it had a niche. It was probably the wrong niche because I wasn't thinking of my avatar yet. Later on, I, I rethought about it and I now have a niche that I think um, benefits others and benefits me. And I, I hate to sound selfish, but you have to get value from the podcast if you're going to launch a podcast. It has to be good for other people and it has to be good for your business or it's not going to be sustainable. So, Absolutely. Adam, thank you so much for adding so much value. I've been writing notes here like crazy because every time that I hear you, there's always some, some new nugget that I can take and, and, and write down and I will be applying uh, to the podcast. Uh, thank you for, for being here. Thank you for all your help and the willingness to share the knowledge, uh, you know, with me and with others, uh, you know, with that growth mindset and abundance mindset that, that you have that I, I've learned in the last year because I was not like that before. Uh, you know, like, you know, joining the investor community has changed because you know, when you're at your job in different fields, like people don't want to share because they're going to lose their job or they have that, you know, scarcity mindset. And I've learned so much in the last year. And I've met some amazing people. Some of them are in the podcast uh, right now on the live and on, on Facebook. So I'm super grateful for uh, this journey. Um, and so I want you to tell people, how can they find you? Where can they find you online? Um, awesome. Really if you are looking to start a podcast, then you can just go to growyourshow.com, growyourshow.com. Um, also, I did set up a, a discount for you too. So anyone listening to the show, anyone on the live right now can save 5% on whatever you want to do. Launch a podcast, market a podcast, or have podcast editing services. But um, growyourshow.com is probably the best way to find me. And if you use the promo code deal closers, then you save 5% as well. Um, so that's how you can probably find me the best. If you just want to be friends on Facebook, send me a private message, please send a private message. I get, I think everyone gets a lot of Facebook inquiries. I especially am getting a lot of Facebook inquiries. So what would help me is if you send a private message when you do it. And that would help me to be able to know that I should add you because I basically reject 99% of the people. So just send me a message and I'll know that I should add you. I just, I, I get weary of, of robots and all that kind of stuff. So um, you can either add me on Facebook or go to growyourshow.com.
yeah, maybe let them know that you you were on the podcast today so that he knows that you're not a robot and you were actually listening to him. So thank you so much. Uh, for those of you that are in the live stream on Facebook and on, on the call today, uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel and to leave a comment on the podcast, on the iTunes podcast, because definitely that helps like Adam was uh, sharing to, with, with us today. It is amazing that, you know, the, the more... Uh, reviews that you have, real reviews, uh, the better your show ranks as well. So thank you for that in advance. And it was a pleasure to have, have you today and to be able to share this milestone with you. I'm super excited and I hope to see you around. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Natalie or Talim Investments. You can find me there. Uh, thank you, Adam. Thank you. This was Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, brought to you by Talee Investments. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Our goal is to provide amazing value on your real estate journey. Connect online at www.taleeinvestments.com where you can find this episode and more. Did you like this episode? Subscribe, like, and share.